Good evening, everyone. My name is Roger Shane, and this is my wife, Yasmin. She's the famous one that Vivian was just introducing you to. So I, I feel like uh, I'm not quite as famous as she is in this matter, but we're so very happy to be here with you this evening to share our family's testimony. So with that, as we get started this evening, we'd I'd like to ask you all a couple of questions. We've had the privilege to meet many of you during this time, and what we found is that there are many people here from many different backgrounds. There are people who are commercial farmers, there's people living in the city, there's people who are thinking about moving to the country. So I'm gonna ask you all just a few quick questions. First of all, how many of you are here from California? Wow, that's impressive, quite a, quite a, a large amount. I would say probably at least half the group in here. Wow, that's excellent. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you have had any conversations over the last two years with fellow Adventist believers about moving out of the city into the country? Once again, many of you. Let me ask you one last question. How many of you have had any conversations with your non-Adventist friends, family, or co-workers about this same topic? About the same amount as well. So we see that everyone is talking about this topic. We feel it's very, very relevant and timely for us to focus on this evening. So let's get started this evening with the word and a word of prayer. So I'd invite all of you to turn with me now to the book of Romans, specifically Romans chapter 13. So this evening, as we look at the book of Romans, Romans is, Paul is writing a message to a group of believers that would very soon be suffering great persecution for their faith. And among the many messages that Paul emphasizes to this group of believers there in Rome, he tells them to put off their old way of life, to put on Christ in his armor of light. And he also emphasizes this key point. He urges them to love one another deeply and to seek that unity in faith and he says this in verse 11. He says, And do this knowing the time, that now it is a high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. So do we. Let us pray. Father God, this evening we come before you as believers in your soon coming, and also, Father, in your sure word of prophecy. Tonight, We'd like to invite your presence to be here with us this evening as we study a topic, the great call to country living, that seems even more relevant now than when you first gave it to our church over a century ago. So tonight, we'd ask that you would give us wisdom to understand and willingness to respond to your call in that due time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So with that, friends, there's many things that we could focus on and tell you tonight, but we only have a certain amount of allotted time. So there's a few things that we wanted to share with you this evening. But first off, I would like to preface our presentation tonight to say, this is definitely not a technical presentation. As I've attended classes this week, I have very quickly realized there's many of you in the room who know far more about the aspects of country living than we do. But what we did want to share with you are Specifically, what were our family's motivations to move out of the city and into a mostly rural country location? Because this is really the heart of the matter. Why did we choose as a family to make what was really, as many saw it, a dramatic shift in our lives at that time? 
And also, we want to spend just a couple minutes looking at what are God's purposes on this, and specifically looking at guidance from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy on the purpose of country living, and specifically sharing with you some quotes that were meaningful to our family in our journey. And then we get to our experience, and specifically learning on the job. What did our journey look like for our family? And along the way, we'll share a few bits of practical and spiritual counsel for those of you who are thinking of making the move for yourselves. So with that, I'm going to pass the torch over to my dear wife, Yasmin, and she'll tell you all about the when, where, and how our journey began. Good evening, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Feliz Sábado. Wow, I love that. I'm impressed. As uh, Before we uh, begin to share our testimony, I wanted to introduce the rest of the family. You will see on the picture our kids, our oldest, Caleb, who is currently 13, and our youngest, Camila, who is about to turn 11 years old. My husband and I met in Loma Linda. We lived there for about 16 years. We um, went to school at Loma Linda and we're thankful for the training. We graduated from Loma Linda and we started to work in healthcare. My husband was working in the administrative side of healthcare and I worked in um, direct patient care as well as education. We were busy, we enjoyed our jobs. The Lord allowed us to uh, develop our professional gifts while we were there. In 2008, we had Caleb, our first son, and at that time, for the first time, the Holy Spirit put in our hearts the desire of doing country living. That is something that we had not, it had not crossed our minds up to that point. And we started to study, we started to read, uh, read child guidance, education, country living, and we were more and more convinced about the need of country living. We started to attend presentation every time we heard about a presentation about country living, there we were. And uh, little by little, we started to think about seriously about this decision. However, the most we could do at that time, because we were so busy with work, was going camping on the weekends. So we purposely decided, okay, we're gonna go camping so many times uh, well, we have good weather and we are going to enjoy nature. And that's how our journey began. At the time, Camila was probably three years old and Caleb was five when we started seriously to think about this. So, as I'm sure every parent in here will attest, having kids changes your whole perspective on life. And that was certainly our experience that the Lord moved upon our hearts. And we were at that point then where, well, we weren't just thinking about our own professional growths and our own lives that we had at that point. We were thinking about our children and specifically our children's salvation. So the Holy Spirit was really putting this urging on our hearts about having us choose what is the best environment for the spiritual growth and develop of, development of, of your children. So, as my wife mentioned, we began to study out this topic using the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And so, tonight what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you some quotes that were meaningful. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole quote, but you have it there on the screen. And I'm going to emphasize some certain parts. So, as we asked ourselves this question, 
where would the Lord have us raise our children? Not just where it's most comfortable for us. Here's what we found. In Ministry of Healing, page 265 through 267, it says this, that instead of dwelling where only the works of men can be seen, go where you can look upon the works of God, where you can teach them to learn of God through his works and train them for lives of integrity and usefulness. And friends, this was our desire for our family and specifically for our children, that they would grow learning of him in environment in in an environment that would foster their spiritual growth and development and also train them to be useful in finishing this great last work that the Lord has entrusted to us. So with that, I have a picture up on the screen, and this is just a random picture of Southern California, but if any of you have been to Southern California before, you know this looks very familiar. This is a picture of urban sprawl, as it's been called, called and there are a number of interesting characteristics about this. I don't know how many square miles this picture covers, but it is quite a few. And what is interesting to me when I look at this picture is you only see a few dots of green, a tree planted here, a tree planted there, throughout these what could be hundreds of square miles of Southern California. And this was really somewhat our experience as we looked around more and more and we considered this topic, right? Mostly what you, you saw living in the city in Southern California was not God's creation, but it was your total built environment covered over in concrete. So the Lord was continuing to put this urging on our hearts and asking us, is there something better I have for you in mind for your family? So with that, we continued to study this out. And I'm going to have quite a few quotes in here from the book Country Living. None of you have read that, right? <laughs> no, I'm sure you all have. You all have. But you will see some books here from this wonderful book that is so relevant for the times that we're living in. But here, Country Living, page 29, we see, it tells us, but it is not God's will that his people shall settle in the cities. The Lord desires his people to move into the country where they can settle on the land and raise their own fruits and vegetables and where their children can be brought into direct contact with the works of God in nature. So with this, we felt this is really a calling that the Lord has put upon our hearts. But knowing this, we knew we were going to have to move at some point. And any of you who have moved before, it is not a matter of days. It is a matter of weeks and months and sometimes years in our experience. So with this, you can see here, we decided, hey, we need to start where we're at. We need to start learning these lessons that the Lord would have us teach our children right where we are. So here's what I would encourage you folks. For anyone in here who is considering making this move, I would encourage you to do just that. Start where you're at with what you got. So here's a picture, one of my favorite pictures of my son and I when he was just a wee little guy. And we are here in our small backyard. It was probably about twice the size of this stage, uh, literally. And, but we are planting using what we had in the raised beds that we had built there and learning these lessons of nature and agriculture. So we keep going on. And I think one of the important things for us to consider is this quote. And I know you're all familiar with this. And it says this in Country Living, page 14. What were the conditions chosen by the infinite father for his son? So where did the God the Father send Jesus to grow up at? to train him for the most important mission in the history of the universe. What were these conditions? It was a secluded home in the Galilean hills, a household sustained by honest, self-respecting labor, a life of simplicity. 
the hour of study at his mother's side with the open scroll of scripture, the quiet of dawn or twilight in the green valley, the holy ministries of nature, the study of creation and providence, and the soul's communion with God. These were the conditions and opportunities of the early life of Jesus. So I would, I would ask you all tonight, if those were the conditions that God the Father chose for Jesus, should we not be seeking after those same things for our children? I say that we should, friends. So, it was about this time, I would say it was around 2012 or so, uh, somewhere about that time. This is about 10 years ago now that we began our journey in seriously considering these things, but it was also about that time that we be really began to study these topics of present truth once again, the topics that our church is built on. And so I would invite you to turn with me now to Revelation chapter 7. And we see here in verses 1 through 4, it says the following in verse 1. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. And it goes on to say, until the servants of God are sealed on their foreheads. Amen? So, what I would say is we began to study these topics for ourselves with some dear friends and with our church family once again. And I think, realistically, we would all have to say that what Christ described as the birth pains of his soon coming, that strife in the civil, religious, political, and even the natural world, have we not seen those birth pains growing more frequent and more intense over the last several years? Yes, we have. And even that, at that time, 10 years ago, we were seeing all these things directly around us, and it was really creating a greater sense of what I would call, I like how Pastor Lemon said it, a sense of urgency on our hearts for our children's salvation. So with this, Country Living, page 17, tells us that the Lord wants us to take our families out of the cities so that they may better prepare for eternal life. Is our focus only on training our children to have a useful life here in this world? Are we training them up for eternal life, life in that kingdom? And especially as we see that day approaching, how much more urgent should we work towards that goal of our children's salvation? I say that we should make that our priority. So with that, let's spend just a few brief moments. I'd like to share with you some interesting information from the world, but also guidance from the Bible in the spirit of prophecy. So with this, in preparing for tonight's presentation, I was looking up some statistics from the U.S. Postal Service that o over the last two years. And believe it or not, there has been nearly 16 million people in the United States who have moved over the last two years. And where are these individuals moving from? Well, we see here. They're moving from large cities, the top five cities that have lost the most movers during this two-year period have been New York, Brooklyn, Chicago, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. So large cities are losing people. And what were some of the reasons that were cited by these individuals moving out of these large urban centers? Well, one is a practical reason and an obvious reason. It's to re reduce the risk of disease in highly populated urban centers. It makes practical sense. But also, they, these individuals cited 
better quality of life for their children and families. So even those people in the world began to consider and reflect upon the fact that maybe this fast-paced, hectic race of life that they were living in these urban centers was not what was best for their children and families. Another key area that reason that was cited for these moves was people wanted more control of, over their food supply and over their food production. As they began to see disruptions in the supply chain, they were impacting their daily lives. Their ability to buy the foods and resources that they needed for their families were becoming impacted, and it was impacting their daily lives. So with that, if I would ask you this. If these are the reasons that the world is citing for making these moves out of the city into the country, are those the same reasons that we as Adventist believers, believers in the Lord's soon coming, should be making this move? Let's take a look at what the Bible says, because friends, I would say our only safety is in basing our lives and even our thoughts and opinions on the scriptures and on the spirit of prophecy. Outside of that, we can all easily be, de be deceived. So I'd invite you now, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And here it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So here we see that Peter is telling us that we as believers are a special and unique people called to reflect the light of Jesus, his love and grace to the darkness in the world. And how do we do that? Through our characters, through our interactions with the world, through the completion of that unique and special work that's referred to as the mystery of God in the Bible, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So with that, we continue to study. And we see that character formation for God's people, this is one of the primary reasons why we are urged as families, and especially those families with children, should move out of these urban centers and into the country. It tells us here in Country Living, page 13, that there is not one family in a hundred who will be improved physically, mentally, or spiritually by residing in the city. Faith, hope, love, happiness can far better be gained in retired places where there are fields and hills and trees, and there it will be found easier to bring home to their hearts the truth of the Word of God. So I don't know about you folks, but character formation in our children, and even in ourselves, frankly, is not for the faint of heart. It is no easy task, and I personally, I don't need to locate my family anywhere where it's going to be harder to do that important work. So this is something that we all need to consider in these days. So character for formation we see is a primary reason for us to make the, this move out of the cities and into the country to shield our children from the temptations of the world. Another reason is evangelism. Now, we know that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is built on the message of evangelism, right? Not only to com complete the Great Commission of Matthew 28, but also our church has been given a special message as we approach the Lord soon coming to preach the three angels' messages of Revelation chapter 14. 
So how does evangelism relate to this great call to country living? What we find here, country living, page 17. Serious times are before us, and there is great need for families to get out of the cities and into the country. For what reason? That the truth may be carried into the byways as well as the highways of the earth. Now, I will speak for myself. I know it is very comfortable for us to live where all of our neighbors, all of our co-workers, our fellow Seventh-day Adventists. Is it not? Yes, it is. But when we think of things practically, that's probably not the most effective way to preach the gospel to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people if we only live around fellow Seventh-day Adventists. We need to have interactions with the world, and the Lord wants us to move. And it says here specifically that it is not the purpose of God that his people should colonize or settle together in large communities, but they are to be missionaries for God by their faith and works testifying to the near approach of the coming Savior. So it is not God's will that the great Advent truth and the hope of his soon coming should be centered only in Loma Linda or Berrien Springs or College Dale, right? We need to spread this truth, as it says, into the highways and the byways of the earth. Now, we saw two great practical reasons, character development and evangel evangelism, spiritual reasons, that is, for making this move. But are there not practical reasons? Well, yes, we do have practical counsel on this as well. Now, Luke 21, here Jesus is telling his disciples about the parable of the fig tree, saying, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. And I would say this, since our family moved to our country home, this parable has become even more relevant to us because we have a humongous fig tree in the front of our property. And right now in the dead of winter, that fig tree is barren. There's not a leaf or a bud on it. But it's always amazing to me each year as we approach spring, how quickly as those buds begin to form, that that tree fully leaves out and has fruit on it all in a matter of a few short days and weeks. And as we take this back to a practical aspect, friends, have we not all been a little bit shocked over the last two years about how the world can just turn on a dime and the world can change overnight? I know we were as a family. So with this, there's also a practical element for making this move to the country. And we have examples of this in the Bible where God chose to not miraculously provide for his followers, but he asked them to take a step in faith and prepare for events that were prophetically foretold. Specifically, we look at the life of, life of Joseph, and he was given the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream that there was a famine to come upon the land, and the Lord asked him to take a step in faith and prepare for the, that time. Did he not? Yes, he did. Also more famously, we have the life of Noah, and in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith, it says this, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, how did he move? He moved with godly fear, speaking of purposefulness, intentionality, and he prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So we see that Noah's act of taking,
taking a step in faith and preparing for troublesome times that had been prophetically foretold, foretold was not an act of fear, but an act of faith. That he believed that what the Lord had foretold would come to pass. And do we believe that tonight? Yes. Amen. So, Spirit of Prophecy tells us this in Country Living, page 20. It says, If in the providence of God we can secure places away from the cities, the Lord would have us to do to do this. And for what reason? Because there are troublous times before us. And I would say sometimes even already upon us. Would you not? So, with that, again, we are told again and again the Lord has instructed that our people are to take their families away from the cities and into the country where they can raise their own provisions for in the future the problem of buying and selling will be a very serious one. So with this in mind, friends, I remember greatly, I grew up very close with my grandparents, and my grandparents immigrated to California from Oklahoma during the Great Depression. I remember clearly my grandfather telling me, Roger, you know, during that time, if we didn't grow it or produce it on our farm, we didn't need it. So with that, I think as believers in the Lord's soon coming, we've seen the changes taking place in the world that the Lord has foretold, that Jesus told his followers would soon come upon the earth. We need to begin to be prayerful about these matters and ask ourselves, if there was something that were to impact our ability to buy and sell that would require us to compromise our faith in order to provide for our families on a daily basis, would we be able to provide anything for them living in the city? And the reality that we found living in the city was we could not. So the Lord, as we approach His soon coming, He wants us to move, He wants to move us from a situation of dependence to more independence, but dependence on Him. So with that, we just wanted to touch on those few aspects to align on those as believers this evening. And now I'm going to pass the mic back to my wife. He saw the chair and he said, it's her turn. Just I was taking too long, I knew it. <laughs> so it was time for us to make the move. And we thought, we're going to make this smooth. We're going to look for areas nearby, 30, 40 minutes from Loma Linda, and in that way it will be easier to just, you know, keep our jobs and come and go. Um, I, I was homeschooling my kids, I have homeschooled them since they were little, so I thought it would be great, I can keep the job and come and go. And we started looking for properties, we called a friend of ours, a realtor, and she said, sure, let's get started. So we we're looking for properties and she will show us one, didn't work out shows another one didn't work out we look at a number of properties and for one reason or another they did not work out just to give you an example the first one that we looked at online it looked really promising and we scheduled an appointment to take a look at the house and the morning off it was a Sunday morning the realtor called us and told us well you know the strong rain we had yesterday uh, the rain came through the property and caused some damage because we had already scheduled this. The owner said that they are going to show the property, but they might take some time after that to fix things up. So we took a look and the house itself was promising, but indeed a flood 
came through the property and when we saw that we thought wow what if we were to plant a garden or plant trees and something happened similar to what happened the day before everything will be completely washed out so after looking at a number of properties and feeling like they did not fit the criteria that we were hoping to find we thought maybe the lord is closing the door and we kept on praying and we talked and we thought maybe it's time for us to get out of the area so we planned a trip to the southern part of Sacramento and we contacted a realtor there and we had a list of properties we took some days to do this and again every property that we looked at did not work we felt again like the Lord was closing the door. We went back to Loma Linda and we felt a little bit frustrated and we thought, well, the Lord has a plan. If he put this in our hearts, he has a plan. He's not going to fail on us. We're going to continue to pray. We decided that at that time it was probably good timing for us to sell our house and we put our house for sale sure so fairly quickly we moved into a small condo we put most of our uh, furniture in a storage in Loma Linda and at that time a family good friends of ours invited us to come again to Northern California but this time around to the northeast side of Sacramento we were hoping for the best but we were wondering if that's what the Lord wanted for us. The minute that we drove into the Auburn, Grass Valley area, the countryside, we felt peace in our hearts. We felt like the Lord had something for us in this particular geographical area. We fell in love with it. So, we uh, went back to Loma Linda and we decided that um, we wanted to start looking for a rental in the Auburn Grass Valley area because we figured it was going to be hard for us to buy something remotely. Sometimes you look at the pictures online and they look so beautiful, but you get to the property and it's something completely different. And we had already experienced what happened in Southern California with this first property that we looked at. So we got everything from our storage in Loma Linda. We rented a big truck and we brought all of our stuff to um, a storage in Auburn. And we started looking for rentals. We spent a few days in the area. And those of you who live in Auburn or Grass Valley, you might know that it's really hard to find rentals in Auburn or Grass Valley. So we thought, well, Maybe we should rent in Roseville, you know, or one of the big cities. You could find rentals there, but kind of defeats the purpose. You know, we're trying to get out of the city and we're going to rent in the city. And how is this going to work? And that was in September. And we look and look and look. It was time for us to head back. We had to work. And um, it was right before the holiday. I believe it's Labor Day in September. My husband happened to look on Sunday evening, we were going to go back to Loma Linda on Monday morning, and he found this rental. 
but it was a long weekend, so there was no way we could look at the house. We drove by, it looked promising. We headed back to Loma Linda on Tuesday morning, first thing in the morning, he called the rental property, and he talked to them, they made the necessary arrangements, and he said, well, this is it, we haven't looked at the house in, inside, but at least we'll have a roof to live, and then look for the property that we want to hopefully buy in that area. So we move, uh, the rest of the things we had, I, I quit my job, um, I, that was really painful for me at the time. I had served as the chair of the Department of PA Sciences for Loma Linda University, and I absolutely loved my job. But there was a reason why the Lord didn't want us to stay there. I was spending more time at work than with my kids. So if I was homeschooled home my kids, I needed to spend time with them. So perhaps the Lord wanted us to get out of there so that I could spend more time with my children at home. We move. We signed a lease for six months. And we started to look for places. We had a system in place. So my husband, every evening and morning, he will look online. He will do you know, his research and look at what was out there for sale. And if we thought it would meet our criteria, then early in the morning, he will drive by. And then if it was something good with potential, then the entire family will go in the afternoon. Now, we looked at so many properties, and the kids were just sick and tired of the curvy roads. <laughs> they just didn't want to look at one more property. And, you know, some of them were too expensive, and some of them had a leak, and we just didn't want to deal with that, and then had problems later on. And here and there, we knew we liked the area, but there was nothing out there. And I said this because some of you might be looking right now and you might think that there is nothing out there for you, but the Lord has something for you and he will show you the right property at the right time. Amen. So this is how it worked for us. We signed the lease for six months and four and a half months into our lease, we got a note from the rental property. The owner wanted to sell the house. And we thought, oh, great. We have not found a property. And here we are. We have to move out back to the city. But that, but that time, I just didn't want to pack again. I thought, I just want to move, Lord. I want to move to our final destination. So we pray harder. And one week, I got invited by um, the ladies and the church where we were visiting or attending at that time, um, they had a prayer meeting for ladies and they shared the address with me. And that Thursday evening, I put the address on my um, Google map and I headed over. It was about 30, 35 minutes from where we were living at the time. And as I was approaching the final destination, I just looked around and I felt that peace, the peace that comes from the Lord. And I thought, oh, Lord, if you could only give us a piece of land around here, you know, I could see the cows, the horses, people farming, and it was so beautiful. So I got to the prayer meeting and, you know, we read our book and we pray and I told the ladies, you know, we have 
month and a half to find something or we'll have to go back to the city. I went back home after our prayer meeting and I shared with my husband, I described to him the area and I said, I absolutely felt in love with this area. So he looked it up and he said, yeah, I have been nearby, not exactly where you were tonight, but I've been close to that area. Um, so let's continue praying and looking and see if something opens up. That was Thursday evening. That morning, as usual, after his uh, personal worship in the morning, he got online and he started looking at Zillow and, you know, the different companies that you can look online to find properties. And all of a sudden I heard him coming and he said, babe, you will not believe this. And I said, what? He said, a property just was posted for sale and the address is just about five minutes from where you were last night. I said, you're kidding me. He's like, no, I am serious. We look it up and we both like it. So as usual, he took off, check it out. He came back overly excited about the potential for this property. That afternoon, we headed over with the kids again, curvy roads, and we parked in front of the property and we just looked at it and we were all like, if we could only have this property. We called the realtor, that was Friday afternoon, and she said, sure, let's make plans for tomorrow. And last night, the ladies were sharing about their property on Friday afternoon. They looked at and, you know, the Sabbath came. It was just exactly, and we didn't, we didn't make any arrangements. We didn't talk about this. <laughs> but it just happened to be that the Lord gave us that day to rest and to trust that He will find, He will take care of us. So we prayed and prayed that Sabbath. Sunday morning, we uh, headed over with the realtor. We looked at the property. As we entered the property going up, once again, we felt that peace in our hearts. Met the owners, um, a couple that was just uh, retiring and moving to the East Coast. And from there on, we have been blessed. And we will share a little bit more about details about this property, but we were able to make an offer and they accepted the offer that same week, which was a great, great blessing. Exactly. So finally we had arrived. It had been at that point. But this, I will say to you, this was about five years after the Lord had first started putting this desire on our hearts. So things don't always happen overnight. For some of you, it may but for our journey specifically, it did not. It took time and prayer and faith. And I think that the Lord uses these to build our trust in Him. So that Sunday as we were looking at the property, you know, the owners were so gracious and spent quite a bit of time reviewing all the ins and outs of the property. And as we were there later in the afternoon, this was the view out of the front window. And seeing that sunset was really just an answer to prayer for our family. We felt that the Lord was opening the doors and this is where he wanted us to be. So we arrived there in the spring of 2017, I would say. So it's been about five years that we've been on the property. And you know what? One of the things that we quickly discovered, although we had been expecting it, is that country living is not the same as city living. <laughs> now, I don't know about you folks who live in the country, but in the area where we live in the spring, the grass grows almost exponentially 
You can almost sit in your backyard and see it growing. It probably will grow probably at least a good six or seven inches a week at the minimum. And our property, it's about 10 acres, um, and it was a horse property previously. So about eight or nine of those acres is pasture. So there's quite a lot of work just to maintain the property, much more so than the little house that we had in Loma Linda on the posted stamp lot, where I really didn't have to do anything to maintain it. So with that in mind, um, I would say this to you. In Manuscript Releases, Volume 19, it says, We can and should have tact and knowledge and trades in building and planting and in sowing. And any of you who have attended the courses here at the conference would clearly be able to see there's so much to learn about how to live effectively and efficiently and productively in the country. In my experience, more so than in the city. Because there's so many systems that you can take advantage of in the city that you don't have to do things by yourself too much. But the blessing of this all is that the Lord walks with us each step of the way, continuing to instruct us and guide us, just as he had every day up to that point. Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 326, tells us this, that he who taught Adam and Eve in Eden how to tend the garden would instruct men today. So I'll make a self-admission uh, here that I wasn't always the handiest guy in the world, and I'm still learning on the job. But moving to the country greatly accelerated the need for me to become quite a bit handier. And even my son, as you see here, this is us first arriving there. We quickly had to learn how to maintain our new large property. And part of that meant, hey, you need to cut down that grass that's growing out there because we didn't have any horses who were eating down that pasture. And if you let it continue to grow quickly in the summer months, that becomes a huge fire hazard. So we had to get to work. And so here you see my son taking his first driver's lessons on our riding mower, learning how to take care of our property. So I'm sure he will pass his driver's test on the first go-round there. So even our daughter got involved, got hands-on. We all got our hands dirty learning to live and work together as a family in our new country home. And as we mentioned, one of the reasons that the Lord desires for his people to move into the country is to learn to grow our own fruits and vegetables, right? This is something we don't normally have to do living in the city beyond if we like to do it as a hobby. So with this, we're told once again that people should learn as far as possible to depend upon the products that they can obtain from the soil. And I think there's a lot of practical aspects to this that we need to begin to wrestle with as a people. How do we live and but also produce food where we live. Now I know there are many of you in the room who are experts at that, and we certainly had a little bit of experience from our gardening, but I'd like to show you, share with you a few of the things that we've learned, just the, you know, the blessings that the Lord has guided uh, in our experience. And how do you actually produce food on your property? How should we think about this as believers in the Lord's soon coming? Well, our experience over the past five years is, is that if you're going to learn to produce food on your property, you need to have several layers of food production infrastructure. And we've tried to build out all of these a little bit at a time during the past five years. One, certainly you need your garden, but how many of you in, in here have had a failed crop? Is it just me? It looks <laughs> like it's just me. No, there's been a few of you who have had some failures in your garden. So you want to have some other layers in your food production infrastructure that you can depend on as well. Some of those are your orchard and also farm animals. What role do those play? We certainly don't eat our farm animals, but we do have some farm animals that we will share with you 
as we go on this evening. So with this, thankfully, the property had a little bit of a fenced off garden area that the previous owners had established. So we quickly got to work planting in the existing garden and also working on expanding the garden there. So here you see one of the uh, first gardens that the kids and I were able to plant out there. And I had to put these bell peppers there because my wife loves to use bell peppers in her cooking. But this is the only time I've been able to successfully <laughs> grow bell peppers. So... It's a lot of trial and error, I would say. That's why I'm here. If there's a bell pe pepper class at uh, the, the conference, I'm going to be there. <laughs> so with that, a few bits of our learnings here. So, And also, counsel for those of you who are potentially thinking of making this move, practice makes perfect, right? Those of you who are gardeners know that we need to learn how to do these bits of practical food production on our own homesteads now. Why you can still go to Costco, why you can still go to the grocery store. Now is the time to learn these things, I would say. So for those of you who are also looking for properties, make sure at the properties that you're looking at, make sure it has an adequate location for a garden, right? And also try to aim for year-round production, because I don't know about your families, but our family has to eat all year round. So this is something that you want to do. And I heard Mr. Dysinger say last night that areas of this country, you can grow food all year round. But in certain areas, right, that requires a little bit more skill and technique than others. So with that, here's some of the things that we've been able to grow in our garden with our family. So my encouragement is for people who question, you can't really grow food for your family on your property. Yes, you can. Of course you can. So with that, here's our children planting potatoes. And potatoes, our kids always love. They always tell us it's like digging for gold. And they're one of really the easiest uh, you know, foods that you can plant and reproduce on your homestead. But also, man shall not live by potatoes alone, right? We also need to plant some other foods. So our kids are planting here some of their winter squash, our butternut and pumpkins, more of these storage foods through the winter. Here's my son with his first harvest of carrots as well from the garden. And here's some examples of some of the other types of cauliflower and things that we've been able to grow in our garden, just as examples of things that you can do. So we see also artichokes, different types of zucchini. And, you know, really what I would say to you is, can you grow food on your property? Yes, you can. But it doesn't happen by itself. It takes being intentional about structuring your homestead. And this is the part where I would say it's taking a step in faith now that the Lord can use and also for, to support your family at a later date. So with this, I will pass the mic back to my wife to share the story of our greenhouse. Those of you who are considering moving to the country and you have not done this before, or if you are listening in Audioverse and you're thinking about doing this, if we did it, you can do it too. Um, we had our challenges, some little, some big, some very frustrating, some kind of, we laugh afterwards, some kind of funny. And uh, we put the picture here to remind me, to share with you our first experience with a greenhouse. We have seen some friends with really beautiful, fancy greenhouses, and we thought we could make it, maybe make one and put one together. So my husband bought the plastic and the PVC pipes, and you know, he even took one day off for us to build our first greenhouse. 
and a couple of days after we built this greenhouse, uh, there was a storm, and our house is on a hill, it's a platform, and our garden is just to the left of the house. That greenhouse was completely gone less than a week. So this is what we decided to do afterwards. So um, you will have your experiences, um, but we will learn. I could tell you several ways not to build a greenhouse. <laughs> but going back to children, homeschooling, and the lessons that you can teach your children, living in the country and gardening has given us an opportunity to teach our children. I'm fascinated by the curriculum that um, was put together and that we have been listening about these nights. But when my kids were little, there was not such a thing. And when we moved, living out in nature gave me an opportunity to make it easier, especially with science and teaching about the Lord. We could talk about, let's say, the sun and how healthy the sun is on you. You can obtain the vitamin D from the sun, how plants cannot survive without the sun, and how we cannot have a true life without God. So you could use all these object lessons from you know, gardening and, and living in the country. Uh, weeds, uh, Brother Lemon, I was fascinated by his presentation this morning. He talked about weeds, and my kids are very familiar with the topic because there are certain locations where they choose to do weeding. <laughs> but what a great opportunity for us to talk about refining our characters. So if you look around, there are many, many lessons. My daughter pretty much self-taught how to cook and bake by using some of the uh, produce from our garden. Um, you can teach them, you know, uh, discipline. You can teach them um, patience by waiting for that fruit that they want to grow, but you have to wait for the right season. Um, I have a list of things here that the kids, persistency, eating healthier, recycling. What we do at home is if there are some uh, food scraps left, you know, the chickens get priority and then the goats and then the rest will go to uh, composting. So there are so many wonderful gifts that you can share with your children when you live out in nature in the country. So yes, as my wife was saying, living in the country actually provided us to do the home to do homeschooling the way that we had intended to do it and we didn't feel that we were really able to add those object lessons uh, quite as easily while living in the city. So as you can see, my wife leads out in the homeschool activities and I take care of the work outside by and large. So I always ask her if she wants to trade off, but I'm not sure if I want to take the lead in homeschooling. So with that, let's talk uh, really quickly again uh, about your orchard. I mentioned this uh, specifically because the orchard for me is, should really serve as one of the primary food producing systems on your homestead. Here's a few tips uh, that I would have uh, from our experience with this as well. Don't ask me how I know this, but make sure that you choose trees that are appropriate for your growing zone. So. Because if you don't, they might grow beautifully, but you might not get fruit. So with that, also, I think here's an important point. We've tried to plant our, our orchard so that it provides us with both variety and a successive consistent harvest. So what do I mean by that? 
in terms of food production? Well, here is an example. This is one of the fruit trees that was on our property. It was a horse property before, as I mentioned, and the previous owners really hadn't established any fruit trees besides that large fig tree and uh, you know just one or two other trees. So at that time, it was really a blank slate. Um, but since that time, we've begun to learn how to plant different trees. And this is a few examples of, of the large mission fig tree that we have on our property. I call it the tree of life because it gives us multiple harvests in a single year. It gives us a huge harvest in both June and August, which is always interesting to see. But what we tried to do is plant a number of different trees in each planting season. I think now we probably have somewhere between 80 to 90 different fruit trees on our property, but they're all at different stages of growth and development. These things take time. They don't happen overnight, as, as it, most of you could, would be able to uh, say for yourselves. But here we are picking last year's harvest off one of our peach trees and the kids enjoying the fruits of their labor. Now, when I talk about planning for a successive harvest to meet the needs of your family, Here's some examples of that from our property and how we've structured our homestead. So with this, when I speak of having a successive harvest, here's some examples of our late spring fruit that really tend to mature in our area from May to early June. It's our apricots and the figs, as I mentioned, some of the midsummer fruits, our plums, nectarines, and different varieties of peaches. Also some of the early fall fruits our apples are now maturing. We had a huge harvest of pomegranates this last year as well. And even late fall fruits, we have examples of that here, as in our area, our persimmon trees, mandarins grow excellently in the foothills here in Northern California. And these are some of the things we've been able to harvest. And also, here's a great example. I put this in here for my wife, as she mentioned, she's a tropical girl from Venezuela originally. And when we moved out of Loma Linda, with great regret, we left behind a huge pink guava tree. So with that, I said, I'm going to see if I can plant one of these here in the foothills of Northern California. And I've been babying this tree for a while now, but here's an example of our first pink guava from our tree that also produces in late fall. In late November, they tend to mature in our area. Some other things that we've been able to do on our homestead here with our family is we also have di many different varieties of table grapes and grapes that we use to make fresh grape juice. Here are my daughter and I uh, harvesting last fall. And also it's not just harvesting but also processing the foods on your homestead. Here's some of the fresh grape juice that we made and if you've never made fresh grape juice I really would encourage you to do so. It tastes nothing like grape juice you buy from the store. It's a really wonderful and easy to make. Okay, so the one thing that I never thought we'll get into will be having some animals. We knew nothing about animals, but a few months after we moved, the kids started asking for animals. So we thought, well, I guess for their benefit, we're going to get some animals. And uh, the first animals we got were chickens. Uh, we got six chickens to start with. You know, the sale that you get six for whatever, and they, they give you a couple of extra ones. And one evening, I, I went out and came back. There were the six chickens. The next week, there were six more. 
and <laughs> we got up to close to 20 and I thought whoa, whoa, wait that's more than what we can handle here we don't have experience with these uh, creatures and but they built a, a coop and my daughter completely fell in love with the chickens she is the expert at home with the chickens Caleb also enjoys chickens but but she's the expert on these um, then after that, we decided, oh, the eggs. Let me mention about the eggs. So we do not have a business in our property. But these, egg, these chickens were laying so many eggs that we didn't know what to do. So my daughter decided that she was going to start selling eggs to the ladies from church, those who choose to eat eggs. And, and she did. And what a great opportunity for, to teach her uh, how to manage her money and how to tithe. And uh, it, was, it was just awesome to do it with, you know, just the eggs that her chicken had laid in the coop. Uh, we decided to get some goats too, and these are Caleb's pets. Uh, we got a, a boy and a girl, and this was a great opportunity once again to add on to my homeschool journey with them. We decided to breed the girl, and she had three babies, baby goats, are the cutest. We all fell in love with these babies. In fact, they were born, they were born during lockdown. It was such a blessing for us to be in lockdown and enjoy these baby goats around. Um, we decided that um, one child will supervise um, half of the animals and the other one will supervise the other animals. And um, this allowed us to add on to the homeschooling experience because they will have to practice, not that they are perfect, we're still work in progress, but they will have to practice dependability and responsibility. They are in charge of letting the animals out in the morning and putting them out in the evening because if they don't, we might have tragedy. Other creatures might come and eat them. So um, that is a, a good way how you can teach your children to be responsible. They have to make sure they have feed because we don't live five minutes away from the store as we used in Loma Linda. So it takes a while to go and buy feed for the animals. So they're in charge of cleaning the coop and cleaning the barn. Um, having animals have also allowed us to teach them the life cycle you know, when the babies were born, what an opportunity to teach them. We lost one of the baby goats a few weeks after they were born, and that was a really sad experience for all of us. We have lost some chickens too, but they learned to deal with death um, at home, and this is uh, an invaluable experience, what they can obtain from having the animals, from you know, tithing to, you know, starting a little business here and there by themselves to um, helping neighbors. It's just a, you, a number, a number of blessings that kids can have. So I encourage you if you already live in the country, but you do not have animals, this is an awesome way if you have children to expand on your uh, homeschool journey. I would agree with that. <coughs> and so with that, that's just really a practical reality of life in the country as well is that we quickly learned everything in the country wants to eat your chickens. So with that, you're bound to lose a few here and there. But as we close tonight, let's bring it back home. So 
We also mentioned God's purposes. And God's purposes in this great prophetic call to country living is that of evangelism, to share the truth. And one of the things, I'll speak personally from my own experience, it was very easy for me living in the city to come home after work, to park in the driveway, to open the garage, and walk right inside. I never had to speak to my neighbors. I, of course, did. I knew my neighbors. But I never once had to rely on my neighbors for help, nor did any of my neighbors have to ask me for help for anything. But in the country, that's not the way life works. As you see, and we're experiencing this right now as we are away, we've been blessed with wonderful neighbors, and our neighbors are taking care of our animals while we're here. And likewise, when they are away, they call us up, and we're happy to go over there and help them. And it's these interactions, these opportunities that the Lord puts in our paths where we can be witnesses sharing the love and grace of Jesus Christ that will create opportunities at some point for us to share the gospel with our neighbors. And so here you see our kids taking advantage of that great opportunity, being good neighbors to help put our friends' animals away. So as we close tonight, I'd like to tell you about our experience, friends. And I was, once again, I was impressed with the presenters last night who shared their testimony because they shared the same quote with you from Ministry of Healing, page 479. And it says this, God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory of the purpose which they are fulfilling as co-workers with him. So friends, all of us that have shared our testimonies during this time about making this move have found the same experience. And it's this, that as we commit our ways to Him, He will direct our steps. So let us not despair. If we are in the city and we're feeling this urge as parents, as believers, that now could be the time that the Lord is calling us to make this move. Take a step in faith and the Lord will lead and open doors at the appointed time. So with that, couple of words of quick counsel. If the Lord is impressing you on this matter, don't ignore the Holy Spirit. As my wife and I mentioned, this was an urging that the Lord had put on both of our hearts during this time. And it was an urging that did not just fade away. It was something that we both felt and knew that this was sincere from the Lord. So if you're considering making this move, be prayerful, keeping God's purposes in mind. But if you're thinking of making this move, I would encourage you, consider making this move sooner rather than later. And why do I say that? One, first of all, character is best molded in our children while they are young. Would you not agree with that? That is the case. And also consider the time. Not only the times in which we are living, but also the practical reality. It takes time to make these moves. You know, this is in all likelihood not something that is easily done at the last minute. It's taken our family, as we mentioned, 10 years in this journey. And it took us a number of years to move to where we are at located now. So with that, as we close this evening, I would invite you to turn back with me once again to Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter of faith. And here we see the story of Abraham. And what it says here is that by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise. And it's that same promise that awaits us, friends. And it says here that Abraham waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God.
So friends, is it your desire this evening to commit your families and to commit this matter to prayer? Are we waiting for that city whose builder and maker is God? If that's your desire tonight, will you stand with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you so much for being with us here this evening as we explore the ins and outs of country living and the call to leave the cities. And why have you given us this great message that is both spiritual and practical, Lord? And we see this is a topic that's relevant and it creates opportunities not only for dialogue with our brothers and sisters in the church, but also it creates opportunities for us to dialogue and share your love and grace with others. Lord, we ask that you would be with each family here this evening who may be considering this move. Let them know that you will be with them each step of the way, and at the appointed time, you will open the doors for them. We thank you for your love and your grace and your watch care and protection over our lives, and we look forward to that great family reunion day that is soon to come when we will all see you face to face. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.